Lee, what's wrong with the car? Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all swoped up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh, all right. All right. don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings <laughs> from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch, that hurt. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Yeah, man, the boys are here, the girls are here, and the muscle men are here. Bikini chicks are the bait, and romance the reward. A boy needs a girl he can count on. Now, Dee Dee, come I down have and... just one question. Did you kiss him because he's lovable or because he's the only man on the beach? Well, no, don't quit now, Dee Dee. I think you're ahead. Okay, how's this for a closer? <laughs> The girls and sailor romances now On a wave as well, I'll take my chance now Muscle Beach Party, a melange of muscles, hit music and mirth Lure, go lure We go any lower, we'll cut off their heads I'm not interested in their heads <laughs> Yeah, all happy street Cause when you're happy to me. Buy Sicily. Okay. You buy half of Sicily. Let Sinatra have the other half. Onward, men. The war's begun. Oh, wait a minute, Fanny. Okay, fellas, come on. We're ready. Come on. And if this isn't your idea of fun, then you're a rat think. Hello out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. We enter the Wayback and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. Hey, the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar here, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Ah, uh, woo! Good God, woo! Welcome, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And don't forget to visit Nostalgic Radio and Cars, our archive or history page, where you can listen to all 412 shows. Yes, sir, 412. Every week, I say 410, 411, 412. 
and this is the 413th or maybe the 414th. Now I'm losing track. Anyway, we got a great show for you this afternoon. We got a legendary musician coming on. This is a guy that I used to listen to when I was growing up as a kid and uh, had some influence on uh, one of the reasons why I ended up picking up uh, a six-string guitar. And uh, so I'm looking forward to having this gentleman on tonight. Now, it is summertime. We're in Florida. We got beaches. I grew up in Northern California. We had beaches. We used to go to Southern California a lot. But in the Bay Area where we had, we were either had Stinson Beach, which was on the Marin County side of the Golden Gate Bridge, which is probably the most uh, notoriously infested or notoriously shark-infested waters on the uh, Northern Pacific coastline. Well, the Northern California. I mean, it's right. It goes right. It's the entranceway to San Francisco Harbor. Um, so besides sharks, uh, the other thing that we're well known for in in, uh, in the Bay Area, sunny California, is uh, Alcatraz. Yeah, Alcatraz. Made a number of movies there, but that was the place. I mean, you had uh, that was the penitentiary, and it was allegedly inescapable. Now, when I was a kid growing up, you know, we used to drive across the Golden Gate Bridge because my mom and dad had a motel in San Francisco, and we lived in San Rafael. So as we were driving across uh, or going down 101 there and then uh, heading into San Francisco across the Golden Gate Bridge, obviously my mom had a radio on, and obviously what was in back in the early 60s was surf music. And, uh, you know, we had guys like uh, Link Ray, Dwayne Eddy, the Beach Boys, the Safaris, and Dick Dale and uh, people like that. So these were the guys that were like the pioneers you know, in, uh, in in Southern California music, you know, surf music, you know, early surf rock, however which way you want to describe it. It's got a whole different, uh, it's got a whole slew of names. So, um, but anyway, and then, of course, the other thing in California, too, which was not uncommon, I'm sure it was elsewhere in the world because you have, I want to say elsewhere in the world, elsewhere in the United States. But it's like in California, just about every other house, you know, we're full of kids, obviously, the whole neighborhood, and you had bicycles, Baseball, you were in the sports, music, toy cars, you know, things of that nature. So, obviously, most of the houses where I grew up had two car garages, and usually the parents left the cars out in the driveway. And what was in the garages? Well, hey, we had makeshift bands, or we had slot car tracks, or you know, we had uh, little kickball courses. I mean, uh, ping pong tables, some cases they had pool tables, just all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was all indoor, outdoor, physical recreation, you know, which was kind of cool. We didn't have Pay attention here now, uh, Vaughn. We didn't have digital devices that preoccupied our time back in the 60s like they do today. We actually had to physically do things, you know. So we were either building models, you know, reading magazines, playing musical instruments, you know, uh, playing sports. I mean, the most common thing that you did back then was if you weren't playing sandlot football or sandlot baseball, or softball, whatever you want to call it. You know, we had parks all over the place. We were on swing sets, on jungle gyms. We were climbing trees, doing all that fun stuff, breathing fresh air, having fun, getting skinned up, getting scraped up, falling off our bicycles, you know, just all kinds of stuff, you know. And, uh, hey, it wasn't uncommon to see a kid with about four or five Band-Aids all over his elbows and his knees. That's just the way it was back in the 60s. Now, you stupids! <laughs> Vaughn, I'm not sure about you. Did you ever do a lot of outdoor stuff when you were a kid or... Yeah, well, I mean, that stuff still does uh, go on. I wouldn't say, you know, it is as prominent because uh, you're right. It has uh, died down in a sense. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely loads of memories uh, and scars. Yeah, you know, hey, that's the other thing, too. Not to pick on the chubby kids, but uh, we didn't have a lot of chubby kids. And if you were a chubby kid, that's because you were sitting there on the sidewalk, you know, chowing down on a on a, on a a Snickers bar or Popsicle or you know, who knows, some sort of sweets, you know, but uh, you got picked on, you know. So uh, we ran the little chubby guys around a little bit. But, hey, they were out there. They were having fun with us. And, you know, we were all kids and we all had a good time. That was it. And, of course, the cool thing besides, you know, a lot of the guys that had older brothers and sisters, and like I said, that's where um, a lot of the garage bands started. You know, I mean, everybody was into music back then. Everybody had an AM radio. And if you were cool, if you were cool, you had a transistor, an A, we didn't have FM though, an AM transistor radio. And you could buy those at Monkey Wars or or pennies you can buy this for like seven bucks six seven bucks for a transistor radio most of them most guys because we're all you know big time you know big pro america guys back in the day too so you had an rca or like i said you had a uh, a generic brand either monkey wards or sears or pennies or something like that but uh sony was like you know the the preemptive japanese um transistor radio slash radio slash record player slash electronics in general you know 
and um, guitars. You know, guitars. You had Fender and you had Gibson and Epiphone and Gretsch, you know, Rickenbacker. And they were pretty much American-made guitars back in the day. But then the Japanese came on the market with their guitars, and they made some pretty good stuff. They were really, really good, and that was the joke back in the day, really good at copying everything. And, uh, and the quality actually wasn't too bad on some of the stuff, you know. And what people don't realize, and it's even like that to this day, if you go to, let's say, the, the Far East and you have something made overseas, you know, be it Korea, uh, South Korea, obviously, uh, Taiwan, Vietnam, China, someplace like that, if you spec out the quality very, very good, you will get a quality piece. But if you spec out a cut rate piece, you're going to get a cut rate piece. But in the 60s, that was it. I mean, you know, the Japanese were coming on pretty strong with, uh, and, and they were very, very good in electronics. You know, the electronic stuff that they came out with was really, really good. I mean, they pretty much didn't copy too much that was made in America, but they copied a hell of a lot of stuff that came out of Europe. You know, the Grundigs and the Phillips and the Siemens and stuff like that. And they just made it cheaper and as good. And so because it was almost the same quality as the European stuff, you know, a lot of people bought it. Let's see. what I was going to say something here. And my mind just went dead. That happens every once in a while. That's a thing of age, I guess. But at any rate, so a lot of kids had, uh, oh, yeah, Ludwig drum sets. Let's see what else we have. Pearl. You know, those were, those were you know, you bought name brand stuff. And I remember 1966 when I went down to get a guitar. Because a friend of mine, his brother had a Mustang, and obviously the Mustang car was out, right? Now, keep in mind, when I was a kid, my mom and dad had a motel, so I had to work. So I basically worked and saved and worked and saved and worked and saved. I mowed lawns. Um, I, my parents wouldn't let me get a um, paper route because it was kind of dangerous. So we just did little stuff like we'd help out at other people's houses, you know, like I said, mow lawns, uh, you know, wash cars. Wash cars were probably the most common thing that we did. And you got paid a buck for doing a car. It started out 50 cents, 65, 70 cents, something like that. But invariably they'd tip you. So it was basically a dollar a car, you know, and you could knock a car out pretty quick. So we could do like, you know, three or four cars on a weekend. And then we had to go play, of course. That's what you do. Anyway, so uh, while we're hanging out with uh, some of our friends, their brothers and sisters were in the garages, you know, jamming on the musical instruments, you know. So, uh, um, and, and, of course, Fender was the guitar to own, or Gibson. The big thing back then was um, a Gibson SG or a Gibson Les Paul, very well known. And, of course, Fender had Stratocasters, Fender Mustangs, Dual Sonics, uh, Music Masters, things of that nature, and, um, or, you know, those kind of guitars. And, and, you know, that was the guitar that you aspired to. Now, they were pricey. So I remember going down to the little music shop in downtown Santa Fe there, and I walked in with the intentions of buying um, a Fender Mustang. So, but it turned out it was about uh, $10, $12 more than what I had budgeted. Now think about this. Keep in this mind now. In 1966, $10 was a lot of money. You were buying models for like $1.99, $1.50. Toy cars, die-cast cars were $0.50 cents back then. You know, So 10 bucks was a lot of money. So if you're buying a 70, 80, you, got a, you know, if you went to Sears and Monkey Wards, you bought a Vox or you bought a, a Silvertone or something like that, or Airline, which is Monkey Wards line, um, you're probably paying $30, $40, 50 bucks for an electric guitar, and then you had to pay another 15 20 bucks for an amp. And you got maybe a 10-amp, uh, 5 to 10-amp amp. And uh, so what, but what was coming out was, you know, a lot of people played acoustics. Well, you couldn't play acoustic guitar because that was, in, you know, you were, that was folk music. You know, we were rock and rollers, or at least rock and roller wannabes. So you had to have an electric guitar, right? So um, Gibson made the ES-335 or 330 series, and uh, that was a pretty cool guitar. Now, I remember when I went in there, I went in to buy the Fender Mustang. And the guy says, well, you know, the Fender Mustang is almost 100 bucks. By the time you get an amplifier in a case, you know, like 120 bucks." Well, that was a lot of money back then. He says, but, but for $66, I can sell you this Lyle right here, which looked identical to a uh, Gibson ES-335. And just as cool, it was in sunburst colors, which is real pretty, which was real common back in the 60s. And uh, I didn't need an amplifier. Now, the problem was is when you buy musical instruments, and we'll be talking about this in a little bit. When you buy a musical instrument, what you need to do is you need to, have, you need to make sure that the guitar fits you. Okay, you don't want to buy a guitar that's got a fat neck, a thick neck, you know, um, a, a, a long scale or anything like that. You want more or less, if you're starting out, you want a student-level student, uh, guitar, you know. So, But anyway, hey, I think we got something on the turntable. I'm going to come right back. We'll talk a little bit more about musical instruments because this is going to be the subject for tonight because we're going to be talking about, obviously, cars and guitars. And we're on the subject of uh, musical instruments tonight a little bit with some car stuff. And let's see, I think we got a little uh, Dick Dale. And, of course, he, he was a surfer and he was a car guy and a spectacular musician. So, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Car, Don't Touch a Dial. Here's a little Dick Dale for you. Mm-hmm. 
My slicks are biting in And I'm off like a gun He shouldn't have taken me off For this grudge run And I'm winding out in second Really starting to move Hey, he's running beside me Yeah, what's he trying to prove? Grudge run What the heck's in his mill? He just rode on past me like, like I was standing still. We just threw into those lights. This car lanes ahead. Today's the day I wish I, I stayed in bed. Went through those lights And his car was lanes ahead I know today's the day I wish I stayed in bed This race is all over And it wasn't any fun I bet that's the last time I tried Grudge Run Grudge Run This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt. At the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727 501 9090. That's 727 501 9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727 501 9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Car sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Hi, this is Nick Mason from Pink Floyd, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yeah, a minute ago we were talking about guitars. But anyway, in brief, what you do when you go in there and you buy a guitar, just make sure you get one that feels comfortable. That's the most important thing. And then the next thing you got to do is practice, practice, practice. Hey, um, let's digress here for a second. You just heard a commercial there for FloridaCarshows.com. If you want to know where all the car shows are in the state of Florida, definitely visit FLACarshows.com. You'll find out about all the cool stuff that's going on in South Florida, North Florida, East Florida, Central Florida, all over Florida. So, And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were at the um, the National Independent Automobile Dealers Association, and uh, we met a couple of guys there. And you guys all know about um, escort radar detectors, I'm sure. And now some cars even have radar detectors built in the car. But there's a company called CalAmp. And uh, if you get a chance, check them out. It's CalAmp.com. And they're into uh, connected car technology. Now, it's, that's a long and a, and a pretty involved subject. But if you get a chance, check them out. But uh, they got some pretty cool uh, electronic devices. And they're working on technology that basically uh, helps you stay connected with your car and know what's going on all the time, particularly if you have a fleet of vehicles and people driving around and you want to know exactly what's going on. And they got some pretty cool stuff. So at any rate, let's see what's coming up here in another uh, couple of weeks. Well, starting next month. We've got Speed Week coming up in August, and that's out there at uh, in Utah on the Bonneville Salt Flats. We've got the uh, SAC 43. SAC is the Shelby American Automobile Club 
43rd convention. I was at the second one in Hershey, Pennsylvania back in 1977. And uh, SAC, which is Shelby American Automobile Club, was started back in 1975. I just happened to be one of the state reps for the Shelby Club. So if you have any questions about Shelby's, hey, I'm your guy. So don't forget to check out our website. Contact me through our website. And I'll be glad to give you some Shelby advice. Also, the Woodward Dream Cruise is coming up. Okay, so that is the third week. But it starts usually, they start gravitating and moving and hanging out in Michigan and Detroit, particularly in the uh, second week, second and third week of uh, August, because Woodward Dream Cruise is one day. It's actually two days, but it's, it's a Saturday, I believe. And it's just uh, six lanes, northbound, southbound, just wall-to-wall cars. So if you've never been to Woodward or the Woodward Dream Cruise, definitely put that on your bucket list. Now, the event that I typically go to this time of year, that time of year, is the Monterey Collective Car Week. Unfortunately, this year, they moved it back a week. So if I did decide to go to Michigan, to the Woodward Dream Cruise, then, hey, I'd be able to do it this year because uh, every other year it conflicts. So, But the Monterey Car Week is my event of the year that I look forward to every year. It's five days of absolute car madness. It's a ton of fun. And uh, it's, there's four events. You hear me talk about this all the time. Scottsdale Collector Car Week, Amelia Island, Monterey Car Week, and SEMA. Those are the four events that you have to go. Those are must-attend events if you're a car guy. Any one of those uh, is, is just absolutely outstanding and totally rewarding if you're a car guy. You know, so because anybody that's anybody in the who's who in the car world, music world, um, they're there. They'll be there. Hey, I think we're going to go ahead and get set up here to get our guests on the phone. So I think uh, Vaughn's got something else queued up here in a minute or two that he's going to throw on the turntable. Or actually, what he's going to do is he's switching the 9-volt batteries in the transistor radio right now. So uh, he's got an old RCA that I brought in that I bought at, uh, where did I get that thing? I don't know if it was called Bellis Hess back in the day or if it was, uh, might have been a Sears, Sears RCA. I used to have that radio, that AM transistor radio, taped to the front of my bicycle handlebars. So I was going down the road. You know, it's funny because a 9-volt battery gets you about two hours worth of music if you had it on all the time. And, uh, you know, and this tiny little speaker, and it just crackled all the time. Of course, we kill those because we turn the volume all the way up because when you're buzzing down the road on your bicycle, you got the wind noise in the background. And, uh, you know, hey, you're sitting back there on your uh, Schwinn Stingray, banana seat, so you're hanging over your ape hangers. That's what we called them back in the day. But at any rate, yeah, that's just uh, the cool 60s stuff. But anyway, so we had this uh, surf thing going on, and uh, last week we had uh, the legendary Bruce Myers on, the uh, father of the fiberglass dune buggy. Just a really cool car. And like I said, I remember those things too when I was a kid growing up. They were everywhere over there. And uh, and they're and they're very 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 sought after. And now he reproduces those. He actually are the. It's funny how some people say they re-image them, or they have uh, redesigned and remanufactured them now. But uh, anyway, they were just really really cool. So I think we're going to go ahead. I think you got the battery switched over right now, and you got the wire splice. So uh, let's go ahead and fire up the turntable. Let's play a little bit more Dick Dale, and we'll uh, buckle in for our. Uh, Spectacular live interview with the legendary musician coming up here in a few minutes. We'll keep that a surprise yet. But we're giving you plenty of hints. So, hey, you're doing it to Nostalgia Getting Cars. Don't touch that dial. Thank you. 
trying out his doubles on stage. That's it. All the girls. Maria Callis is so much fun. Step up. Thank you. Maria Callis is over here. Elvis Presley's back. Come on, Presley, how about let's go. Now, Presley, hit it, Elvis. Thank you. Hey, now and have mercy. This is Billy F. Gibbons from ZZ Top, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. Yeah, so you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This is uh, a gentleman that played a lot of music back in my day when I was a kid. Still plays a lot of music. He's been around. He will be around. I'm delighted to welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars this evening the father of heavy metal, the legendary guitarist, Dick Dale. Dick, are you there? <laughs> you know, I'm Dick Dale, and I take my board to the sea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, Lana goes, Lana, she's, she's funny. She, she goes, uh, she does all the, the booking. She's the boss. She, you know, like, she goes out and does all the, uh, um, the everything with the do with promotion, with the whole works. In fact, you've heard of uh, AP Release, Associated Press. Yeah. They, yeah, they're all over the world. They voted Lana in the top five really? in the world. And because she's so articulated in everything she does, she's very, very, uh, doesn't leave her stone uh, unturned. And so that, that's, she drives me crazy. I mean, hey, Lana, how come you, where, where's my, uh, my pad? She goes, it doesn't belong there. It belongs over here. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, uh, the two of us were meant to be together. The the good Lord up above uh, made us come to be together because, you know, and first of all, I I don't like doing interviews because the people, they, they say, oh, he said this and he said that. And unless you're there with the person... Then you then you don't know what the real story is, and Lana, she's gone through and she's dug up every stone she could find, and <laughs> and she goes, "Do you know that you did this and you did this and you did this?" And, and me, I was all busy surfing all the time and training wild animals and to protect them from being killed by the poachers. I had over forty different species. And my lions and tigers, they all slept with us in, in our, our bed. <laughs> every oh, wow. time my lion would run down, every time my lion would go running down the hallway and jump in the bed, it'd break the whole bed. So I had to put cinder bricks underneath for <laughs> sheets of plywood and all that stuff. But that was my life for about 35 years. And now, God bless Lana, she has over the last 15 years. Uh, a dozen coyotes, they come to her and bring their babies to her. And and uh, and she goes out in her back over three in the morning and sits there and feeds them turkey franks. So there goes all my money buying turkey franks. <laughs> turkey franks. <laughs> and so, and, but, but it's so really bitching. Uh, well, I'm from Boston, so we usually say, hey, it's, when something's really cool, we just say, hey, it's really bitching. But anyway, I'm not swearing. But... The, the thing is, is that we get over like 200 bravens, and they come out and talk with her, and the, the barn owls land on her shoulder, and you know, and talk with her, and it's it's beautiful because we're in the high desert, and and I've switched over to the high desert because the, the the stupid uh, political people are polluting, uh, allowing our oceans to kill our creatures in the ocean. And for what they're doing, and I could, you know, talk forever about all of that. And uh, my very one of my dear friends, Wyland, who was paint, painting the wailing walls all over the world. What happened? Are you still? Oh, I'm still here. I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah. So okay, uh, just let it, just let it be. But anyway, <laughs> well, but let's, let's... Wyland and I, uh, 
you know, we we try to do the same thing. You know, we try to, uh, like, Lana, she belongs to over 200 the animals, you know, all over the world. We belong to that and things like that. You know, we, we don't believe in killing God's creatures. And, and that, you know, I guess you've got some questions to ask. You well, know, be careful when you, when you ask because I have a habit. If I like somebody, and Lana has been talking about you, saying you have a, a, a wonderful, honest demeanor. So she says, now you be nice to him because he's a very honest, good person. So I said, all right. Okay. I pre- <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I, uh, yeah, well, you know, typically when I have a guest on the show, and, and I appreciate you coming on, and I'm very thankful for it, I generally like to talk about things that they like to talk about, and I also like to talk about things that you don't get a chance to talk about. Now, obviously, I want to talk a little bit about your career because, you know, you're basically – you know this your connections with uh you know music in the early days your uh you know your your connection with fender must uh fender um music and uh and and creating the 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 mind blowing showman amps and things like that so i kind of wanted to just have you just talk a little bit about that you know to kind of clue in our our listeners cuz that's generally what you're associated with that and the early style of music and both, and 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 it's funny because when when I was talking to Lana yesterday, we were talking about you know because it's it's perceived as surf music, but you kind of said that the, well the the origin of the music comes from it's because you're 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 part Arabic and you're part Polish that it comes from 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 Arabic from the Arabic world so to speak and it's funny because when if you look up the guitar the six string instrument in itself it originated over there in the uh, mid east yeah. so but what you did which is yeah. is amazing is you took that music and you turned it in you sped it up and the way it comes out if you listen you can hear you can see you can you can feel the arabic vibe to it but you put a, such a cool southern california uh surf spin on it that it or it got that's how it got picked up and uh it just it just it just uh escalated from there it just it just it just went viral so uh but talk a little bit about it well um, no, you're going to, Lana just jumped into the car. Okay. And, uh, and she's going, all right, tell them where it comes from. <laughs> so you, you might hear two voices. That's okay. That's okay. So, it, it, anyway, the, the thing is, is that, um, it, there's such a story behind the whole thing. So, and, and I hate to be talking about these things because the people start saying, Oh my God! What an ego that guy's got, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's why I don't like to do interviews. And but because you ask a question, uh, and and if I get too long, you just tell me to stop, and then you know go into something else. So because I have many windows in my life, I never went to bed with an instrument. It was a thing where I just picked up something, and I started to play it. And how it started was, as a kid, five years old, something like that, I would be reading a Superman magazine. And on the back of it was a cowboy rearing up on a horse and with a lariat. And I'm going, wow, man, because I just loved animals so much. And, and I go, I want to get a horse, you know. And then how am I going to get a horse? And uh, I was working for five cents an hour, you know. Arabic bakery making Arabic bread. So what happened was it said, sell so many jars of Nagzima skin cream. And we're going to send you this. Uh, it looked like a guitar, but it wasn't. It was on ukulele. So I went out every night in the snow in Massachusetts. And the people would say, Dickie, you've got to go to school tomorrow. Get the banner because please buy my Nagzima skin cream. And I sold so so much of it, I could have bought a car for crying out loud. <laughs> and I waited, and I had to wait about four months before they ever sent me anything. And when they sent it to me, it was nothing but pressed cardboard with holes with the whole strings. It was green with a horse on it. And I was so disillusioned that I just took that thing and, and I just threw it in the trash. So I went and got all my 
Pepsi-Cola bottles and everything I could find and my little red wagon and the red ride wagon. And I took it to the store and I got $6. So I went to the music store and they had an ukulele and it was plastic, cream, and brown. And it was cream on the bottom and brown on top. And it had actually screws where you had the, the strings with the peg, and the peg stayed in. And so I, I got a book, but the book didn't say, turn it the other way, stupid, you're left-handed. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't put my fingers there. So then I just, I would take my fingers and tape them where I saw the dot and hope that the angel would come in the morning from the night and force my fingers to just to lay there. <laughs> but it never happened that way. So I learned to play the ukulele, you know, backwards, upside down. And, and I was singing country songs, you know, Hank Williams and all those things like that. You know, why did you leave me today? The Tennessee Walls and stuff like that. And then as I went along, uh, my buddy and I, we would go out to my grandma's place. And they lived out in the Kareel country. And we go out in the swamps and pick blueberries. Uh, my grandma would make blueberry turnovers. And we heard some strumming, ding, 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 just like in Deliverance. <laughs> and we goes, wow, where's that coming from? And we went into the house. We found it. It was an old shack. Four guys were in there. They had cigarette packages rolled up in their arms and all that stuff by their shoulders like they did in those days. And the guy looked at me and... And he smiled, and he said, oh, how do you do? Nice tooth you have. <laughs> and, and then he said, I said, those are guitars. And he said, yeah. He said, I'm selling mine. I said, oh, wow, how much? And he told me, he says, eight bucks. And I said, uh, can I make payments? You know, I'll pay you 50 a quarter a week? He goes, no, 50 cents a week. So he gave me the guitar, and I said, but it's got six strings on it. And, and I play an ukulele. He goes, don't hit the other two strings, just muffle them and strum the ukulele chord and everybody will think you're playing the guitar. So that's what I did. So for the longest time, I fooled a lot of people singing Hank Williams tunes and country tunes and, and just strumming on the, the top four strings. And the guitar was upside down. And so I'm doing this upside down backwards. And then when I came to California, in fact, in fact, on the, I didn't pay him the last 50 cents, and he saw me on the sidewalk, and he grabbed me by my feet, and I, upside down, and out came the 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the guitar was paid for. So then it, I, I, we, I went to my mom and dad. We went to uh, uh, Howard Hughes, gave my dad a job, and uh, we took us to California, and... When I got to California, my buddy and I, uh, uh, this is this happened when I got the guitar. This happened when we got California uh, to know it happened back in Massachusetts. That's right, my grandma's place. And then when I came in, I met a fellow who sang folk music, and he was strumming. And, and I goes, oh, wow, you sound good. He go, I, I goes, yeah, I got my guitar, and I started strumming mine. He goes, you can't play a guitar like that. He says, you're not supposed to do that. And I goes, well, I, I don't know where to put my fingers for the other two strings. And then he says, well, I can't tell you how because you're doing it all upside down backwards. And then he says, here, I can show you where your fingers are supposed to go. And I learned my first, we called it a, a full chord. And I would call it a bar chord because I had to pull my finger across the neck. So then... I, I met this fellow there who was surfing, and he took me, got me started surfing. And then we had about 17 kids surfing, and I was strumming my guitar, and I had heard of Leo Fender, and I went up to him and with my dad, and I said, Mr. Fender, my name is uh, Dick Dale. Uh, I'm a surfer. I got no money, and I'm going to start playing at a place called the Rendezvous Ballroom in Balboa, California. Well, at that time, nobody was allowed to throw concerts playing a guitar because the city called it devil music. And so 
I'm going, where, where are they getting that from? And then what happened, I would say, I went to the school, and I said, why don't you let the kids come in in the early morning and then get credit for it, and I'll do a, a little concert show on the stage. And he goes, what do you play? I goes, well, I play the guitar. Oh, no, 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 we don't want that. That's devil music. I goes, well, guess what? I can play the trumpet, you know, and I play like, uh, like uh, Lee, my brain is stopping. Uh, Harry James, uh, Louis Armstrong, and I, and it's going to be the history of music. Oh, okay, you can do that. All right, so, and I played the accordion and all those little things like that. So what happened was I got on the stage, the kids all packed in because they wanted to see this guy who's going to be playing the music. And the, the principal goes, wow, this guy's cool as sliced toast. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I said, and this is, and I'm doing songs like, won't you come home, Bill Bailey? Won't you come home? And then I said, and here's what I'm doing at the Rendezvous Ballroom in Belvoir. And I did a slide down the string. And I started playing like Gene Cooper on his drums. And he got his rhythm from the natives' indigenous tribes. So I followed all the things that he was studying in their rhythms. And that rhythm goes all the way back to the indigenous tribes. And the beginning of time, it's one, two, three, four, one. And they would take their spears and go, boom, boom, like that. So I I started picking. And so that's how the birth of when I was playing songs like Mizaloo, and, and that's done slow. And that normally is done for the belly dancers. It was all dum to dum to dum 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 to dum to dum 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 ba 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 like that. And so what happened was I took it and I went like that, and and it changed the whole sound of what I was doing. And the kids, I invited them to come in to see me play. with seventeen surfers, and we were surfing every morning. And they said, "Man, you're the king." You're the king, man. That sound, that sound. And, but they were associating, but they didn't realize I got it from Gene Krupa playing on his drums. And then when I got with Leo Fender, who became like a second father to me, he would say, why do you have to keep playing so loud? Because you're blowing up all the amplifiers. And I blew up over 50 of his amplifiers. He gave me a strat that he had first created. And he said, you beat this thing to death and tell me what you think. And I blew up over 50-some-odd amplifiers, and then he knew why I wanted to get a big sound. I wanted it to sound like Gene Cooper's drums. And my animals that I had, when my, uh, I'd come home, my lions would go, Whoa, like that. <laughs> so I would get those sounds, from my, and my mountain lions would go, Meow, like that. And I would turn around and imitate my animals and imitate Gene Cooper. But then, by that time, everybody was saying, Dick Dale's the king, king of the surf guitar. And, and, and in fact, that's in the White House. Uh, the, it was voted upon by the members of the cabinet and into the Congressional Hall of Records for all time. Wow. So that's how that sound and all came. Because Leo and I, I used to sit on the floor in his living room with him and listen to Marty Robbins. And of course, country was my love. And I also loved every sound. For instance, uh, the Holy Rollers. That was the really, uh, in fact, I did a record, and on a record, one of my songs was, I'm going to walk on the water like the good Lord say. You know, I'm going to walk on the water like the good book say. And because I loved to hear the Holy Rollers singing in the gospel sounds. And so any style of music came to me, and I learned how to find the beauty. And so when I got on the piano, even Liberace would come and watch me at the Golden Nugget, and he was talking to a man at the, at the, the bar, and he'd say, you know, that boy's going to be a big star one day. Well, the guy he was talking to was my father. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know it. But I got to meet a lot of these different people, but then I really don't like, I didn't like musicians, and I don't like the entertainers, because because when I played, I left, and I went to my animals, 
and lived with my animals and took care of them, and I served. And then I trained in the martial arts all my life since I was 18. And I played the billiards and pool. I met Willie Moscone, and he taught me things, and he was a wonderful, wonderful man. There's many, many things. I became a pilot. Uh, and, and, you know, all these different things that I did. The reason why I didn't care about the people in the entertainment business is because most people want to be a star. And they don't realize the difference between, I, I've been with monks. And they, they taught me so much. And, and why they don't speak. And that's another story. Or another full book. <laughs> and the prophet, I read the book, The Prophet. And the thing is, you know, what it all means is that you give your heart, you empty your heart, and you take your soul, and you make your soul help others. And when I talk about the musicians that, that have not learned to be with having a good character, they don't set a good example. So you take a little kid who's learning to play a guitar or a bass or anything, and he practices and practices, and then all of a sudden this band who, that's a, got a big name says, hey, dude, I like the way you're playing the keyboards, man. You want to uh, play for us? Now the kid's going, wow, that's my break in life. So he goes with them, and he goes on tour with them. But he's in the same vehicle while they're smoking joints and, and doing drugs and doing all these things, and, and, and that's the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's crap. So my music is when I play, I tell these kids to play, and the, and the kids still, they get caught up in it. I knew them all when I first met them, Jimmy Hendrix. All of them, I taught Jimmy his slides, and uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, his first time to the guitar. It was because of my album, Surfer's Choice, a picture of me surfing on the cover, and no one had ever done that. So that were, these are all messages I tried to give them. Keith Moon of the, uh, the Who came to see me. Hey, man, you've got to do my album. I, I've got, I'm spending $80,000 on this, and i got Ringo and blah, blah, blah. And, and he says, you've got to come to my party. And I, he come right up on the stage while I'm singing. He goes, my name is Keith Moon of The Who. I goes, who? <laughs> who? <laughs> Who's in first? Who's I never knew. These I would throw out so many musicians out of the, the green room that were there because I never knew who they were. They said, you know who you threw out? And I said, I don't care. I don't want them drinking in there. I can't stand talking to a can of beer. And that's it. My wife and I have never put alcohol in our bodies, and we've never put drugs in our bodies. My wife suffers from MS, multiple sclerosis, and and I've been dealing with cancer when I was 20, some odd years of age. They told me I had three months to live. Well, I'm still here, and I'm 81, and I'm faster than I've ever been in my hand, but to knock you out. Dick, we're, I was going to say, we are just about up against the clock here. Um, Lana, do you want to go ahead and give out the information about uh, Dick's website and about his upcoming tour? Do you want to do that real quick? Yes, I'll do that. Okay, uh, the tour is called the Northeast Boston, Massachusetts Tour. And we leave on August 3rd to head to Ophelia's Electric Soapbox, which is in Denver, Colorado. He'll be playing that night, again, the night of August 3rd. The tour ends at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia, and that is on August 30th, which is a Thursday. So uh, the tour is approximately a month long, and we want all the Dickdale music lovers whom we love, heart and soul, to come and see music legend, my husband, Dick Dale, perform live at all these events. We want to see you there. We speak to you from the stage. We love seeing you. We appreciate everything you do for us. All the emails, the 2,500-plus emails that come pouring in every week, you don't know what that means to us. I answer every one of them religiously. We are here for you. 
and uh, and we look forward to this tour. This means a lot to us. So I'm going to sum it up. And um, I just want to say uh, quick, quick. here's Dick. Let's, I guess you can still hear me. Yep. My wife did an interview with me, and it went viral. And in three days, we got 67,000 email. Wow. And Lana answered. She answered every single one of them. That's great. So I play, I play for the people. I don't play for musicians or trying to make some kind of goody-goody two-shoes. I, I play for the people that smile and can feel what I'm playing. Excellent. Dick, Dick Dale, com for all the up-and-coming events. They're all listed on our website. Very good. All right. Hey, Dick, I want to have you on again right. sometime. We're definitely going to get you on when, uh, when you come to Florida. In the meantime, I want to thank my very special guests, the legendary guitarist, Dick Dale, and his wife, Lana. In the meantime, hey, all my listeners, don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. for the most legendary, fascinating names in music and cars. I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Listen to the thunder. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen. Hey.